Okay, so how many of you have ever had a great expectation for a holiday, but then afterwards you were disappointed? Anyone? Okay. I'm sure we've all been there. And I know there's many factors that can make for a either successful or an unsuccessful holiday. You know, there's family and there's money and there's weather and there's sickness. I mean, getting sick on your holiday, it's horrible, hey? I'm sure many of us have experienced that as well. But allow me to share with you two primary reasons, I think, why a holiday could be not as awesome as we expected. I think, first of all, sometimes we, we put our trust in a holiday. We kind of hang in there for, for dear life until a holiday starts and then all our faith and our trust and our expectation goes into these two weeks or three weeks that we have and then it let us down because we, it's literally as if our life depends on it. We put our trust in it. Or sometimes I think we take a holiday from Jesus. We, we, there's just so many things happening and so many plans and friends and family and we do this and we do that and before we realize Two weeks have passed and we have taken a holiday from Jesus. So, you see, if, 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 if we do that, what I've experienced in my own life, we, feel, we can feel empty and frustrated and fat. Fat and bloated after holiday. Let's be real, okay? Let's be very honest this morning. If, if sleep and eat and computer games and movies are our primary activity during the holiday... We're going to feel fat and bloated. And we, if we take a holiday from Jesus, we can very easily feel empty and frustrated and not ready, not ready for the new year. So I want to, I want to take you to Scripture in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, and I want to break it down for you this morning. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I, that is Jesus, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what is the scripture communicating to us? It, it, it means that true rest is only going to be found in Jesus. True rest, where you really feel ready, where you really feel as if you're, you're, you, you have new strength and you really entered a place of rest, it's only found in Jesus. So if we do not, if we do not enter God's rest in a holiday time, we could very easily go back to work feeling more stressed and more tired. I've experienced that, and I, I'm, I'm sure many of you have. Or the other side is, if we do not enter God's rest on a regular basis before the holiday time, it takes us a week to relax. Hey, how many of you ex- have experienced that? Or at least like three, four days. It takes you a while to get into the time of rest, or you don't relax at all. Because you've, you've never, before the holiday learned how to enter God's rest on a regular basis. And I want to share with you a few things this morning to help you make 
December holidays worth it. Amen? Are you ready for that? I've, I've seen so many times in my life where, where I really, I was so regretful after a holiday because I wasted a really good time. And then there were times where, where I was so thankful for the way in which I spent my holiday because I was just so ready. I was so ready and it was so worth it. So let's take the first part of that scripture, Matthew 11 verse 28. It says, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So first of all, what we have to do, not only during holidays, on a regular basis, we have to come to God. We have to come to Jesus. So I want to speak about something we all know about, but we're not always so good at applying it, and that is our Sabbath, our Sabbath rest. So let me show you where that, where that comes from originally. Genesis 2 verse 2 says, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which, we, which, which he had done. He rested on the seventh day. So God, God made everything in six days, and then on day seven he rested. In Hebrews 4 verse 9 we, we find again, the writer talking about the Sabbath rest, it says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Okay, so what is the Sabbath rest? And why did God rest on the seventh day? Was he tired? Do you think God was tired? Why did he rest? You know, there's other scriptures in the Bible that says God never slumbers. He never sleeps. So no, God wasn't tired. He didn't sleep. Oh, he didn't rest because he was tired. I really believe he wanted to show us a principle. In the same way, Jesus got baptized. You know, was it really necessary for him to, to got baptized? He was the son of God. No, in theory, it, it, it wasn't really necessary for him to get baptized. However, he wanted to, to show us a principle. He wants us to follow his example. So from the beginning of creation, God has, has laid down certain principles for us because he knew, he created us. He knows what we need. So he rested on day seventh because he wanted to teach us a principle. So what, what do you want to teach us? He, he wants us to understand that there's one day per week. That he wants us to let go of all our responsibilities, all our worries, all our cares, and allow him to restore our souls. So it's not about doing nothing. It's not about sitting in a chair and not doing anything. You know, I grew up, I grew up that on a Sunday you're pretty much not allowed to do anything. Because then it's, it's wrong, you know. You can't even go for a run. You can't exercise. You can't do any kind of, you can't do anything because God is not going to be happy with you. It's not what the Sabbath rest is all about. God wanted us to let go. He, he wanted us to come to a, a, a one day per week where we say, I let go. I let go. But it's not about doing nothing. It's about it's a process of diligently entering into that place of rest. So it's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's, a, it's not a day of passivity. It's a day of activity, but not like the other six days. 
Okay, so how do we make the most of our Sabbath? First of all, we need to get a day. We need to decide on a day. And I know for the doctors, this is really difficult because you, you are on call different times during the week. So if you have to change that day on a week-to-week basis, do it. But we have to, first of all, find ourselves a day where we can let go of our responsibilities. You know, Andre, Andre always says, you know, on our Sabbath, he resigns. I resign my job. You know, which is really difficult for a pastor to resign because the work never really stops. But this is the place we need to get to on our Sabbath day. We, we must get up in the morning and say, I resign from my primary occupation, from my responsibilities and my job, and I hand it over to to God, and I trust Him that everything's going to stand if I'm not there for one day, if I don't think about it for one day, if I let go for one day. Because often we feel if we're not there, everything's going to fall apart in our workplace and in terms of our primary job or our responsibilities. But... This one day per week that God wants us to let go of control. He wants us to give that burden to him, to resign from our job and to say, God, I trust you. It is not so easy, but that is why we should do it once a week so that we can be diligent, so that we can get into, into that place of, of handing it over to God. I remember as a, as a scholar and as a student, I made a decision to never study on a Sunday. So if you study on a Sunday, please don't feel condemned. This is not the purpose of my example. But I think originally it started off as a very religious idea. You know, as I say, I grew up that you're not supposed to do anything on a Sunday. But I I discovered, even at school, the benefit from surrendering that one day per week to God. Because it also forced me to work really hard for six days because I decided, I made a commitment not to study on day seven, even at varsity, even during exam times. I said to myself, this is my day with the Lord. And there's been so many good fruits coming from that. Yes, it meant that I sometimes had to study on a Friday evening when everybody was socializing. But that one day per week, God just took all my care. He literally, it was as if I could put everything in his hands. All my exams, all my worries, all my stress. And, and even in exam time, it was like literally as if that one, it was a day of holiday for me. Where I could just focus on the Lord. Andre did the same thing. And we have so many good memories of picking one day per week and say, God, this is my day with you. And nothing is going to interfere. Nothing is going to interfere. So I want to encourage you to to get yourself a day per week. And say, God, this is my day with you. Yes, and it can involve family. It can involve relaxing and friends. But make sure that there's a certain time during that day where you actively, actively let go. And I'll, I'll... come to practical ideas of how to let go of your burdens, but make sure that on that day you practically let go of your job, your responsibilities, and 
your cares and allow God to come and restore your soul. Give it a try. It's worth it. It, it changes our lives every week. Every week, you know. We, we are, Fridays are our Sabbath. And so if you, as I say, if you work on a Sunday or if you work different days during the week, you pick your day. It's not about a Sunday. It's about a Sabbath. And two scriptures that really helps me to, to, to give my burden to God and to rest from my responsibilities is Psalm 138 verse 8. It says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. So I often go back to this and I say, okay, God, I actually need to focus on these things now, but this scripture says that you will perfect that which concerns me. I have all of these concerns, but you're going to sort it out. I give it to you. The other one that really helps me is Psalm 57 verse 2 that says, I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. Isn't that beautiful? You know, when you come to a situation where you, you're so burdened that you can, you can go to the scripture and just, just say, I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. All things. You know, I remember when, when I, I was still studying, I often just would sit in front of my books. I would say, God, you understand the, this subject. <laughs> you totally understand this. Uh, I, I struggle, but you understand it. But then the scripture says, God will perform all things for us. I often, I often would, would have, when I, when I studied, I would have, asked God to explain to me these things. And he did. It was as if there were light bulbs coming on, you know, when I was studying. And I think so often we, you know, we, we try so hard when it comes to our work and our studies to, to manage in our own strength. Where God says, come to me, come to me when you are, when you are burdened and stressed and I will give you rest. God is able to perform all things for you. God is able to, to perfect that which concerns you. So the Sabbath is all about just coming to God and say, okay, Lord, here I am. This is my work. This is my responsibilities. This is everything I must do, but I hand it over to you. I diligently enter into a place of rest. So it's something active you're doing. You're not sitting back and hope, hope everything's going to be okay and watch television and try to forget this is not what it's all about. It's a place where we say, God, I'm stressed, I'm burdened, but I diligently now enter into a place where I trust you to perform all things for me and to perfect that which concerns me. It's a glorious way of preparing yourself for when your holiday comes to just go into it easily, to relax from day one. Okay? So give it a try. The second part of that scripture says, we must learn from him. Matthew 11 verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So first of all, we must come to him. God says, come to me. Then he says, we must learn from him. He says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. So what does that mean? How do we learn from the Lord. Let me take you to another, another scripture in Jeremiah 6. It says, Thus says the Lord, 
stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for yourselves. Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old way and the good path. Because that is the good way, and if we walk in it, we will find rest for our souls. You see, the message we get, the message we get from the media today is that the God of the Bible is old school. Have you heard that before? Like, you know, it's really old school, the God of the Bible. It's old school. I mean, surely to keep yourself pure before marriage, sexually pure, is certainly, certainly not applicable anymore, you know? Certainly to give 10% of your income to your local church is madness. I mean, surely, surely to forgive your enemies and to pray for those who spitefully use you is not how you're going to be successful in life. It's old school. What do you think? I mean, it's old school. It's really old school. It's coming like, you know, like, People who believe in evolution will tell you it comes like millions. It's millions of years old. It's really old school. But you see, all of these things that many people believe is old school is the word of God, but it's also the ways of God. And it's an old path, but it's a good, it's a good way. And I believe if we do not learn from God, from his word, And if we do not walk in it, so if we do not apply it, we won't find rest for our souls. We will not. We will not find rest for our souls if we do not become doers, doers of the word. We we have to be able to learn from God and we have to be able to apply what we learn from him. We can't just come to church every Sunday and walk out and tick our little box. It, it, wo- it won't bring rest for your soul. We have to come to a place where we hear the word of God and where we apply the word of God, where we ask for the old path, where the good way is, and we walk in it. Because then we will find rest for our souls. Okay, so I want to challenge you. If the Holy Spirit is leading some of you to do something before the December holidays, to forgive to repent, to make right, to make a decision that you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You know, you feel it, you hear his voice, it's all over. Do not delay. Do not think you can go on holiday and ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. You will not find rest for your soul. Your rest is learning from God, hearing his voice and walking in it. Walking that path of obedience, and it's not always easy. But that rest will come after. When you start walking in in it, the rest will come. And it's worth more than any kind of holiday. That rest for your soul, where you know, you know, God God is speaking to you, and he's speaking to you, and he's speaking to you, and you're ignoring him, you're ignoring him. But the moment you're obedient, you're going to find rest for your soul. And it's a glorious kind of rest that no holiday can ever bring to you. Amen. So do what you need to do before the holidays. Do what you need to do 
to enter that season, season with God's peace and not with a shame and a regret and, and a, like an unsettling feeling in your heart. Do it. Do what you need to do. And I know God is speaking to some of you. God, God is speaking to some of you. You know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. Do it before the holidays. Do not delay. Then we have to cast our burdens on, on Jesus. Matthew 11 verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me take you to a scripture in, in, in Psalms 55. It's, it's David speaking. And he says, So I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. How many of you have ever felt you want to fly away, never come back? I felt like that. <laughs> you want to run away. You want to run away. You want to go on a holiday for the rest of your life. You never want to face your boss again or whatever. Whatever is this challenging thing for you, you want to fly away and be at rest. And we want to get away from everybody and and everything, and we really hope that's going to bring rest to our souls. The problem is, we need to fly back sometime. Okay, so we can fly away. We have to return. You must take your return flight sometime. Back to your family, back to your job, back to your circumstances. And that is why flying away like a dove, you know, like, like David was considering to do, that is why that is not the solution either. You know, we can go on a sabbatical. We can go on a retreat. We can go on a nice holiday. But we have to come back sometime. So it's not the solution. I remember when, when I was still doing my articles in Stellenbosch at an auditing firm, I moved from third-year articles into assistant manager position. And it must have been one of the most difficult years of my life, that one of being assistant manager. It was just, I was completely overwhelmed by all, all the responsibilities and everything that was expected of me. And it was, it was a very, very difficult year for me. I was constantly stressed. And it was just this huge learning curve, and I had to get through it. And I remember somebody suggesting that I take some leave. And... I still remember that moment where I was thinking in my heart, it's not going to help. <laughs> a holiday is not going to solve it. I must learn to cope, not cope. I must learn to flourish in my circumstances. I must learn now with this new level of responsibility and, and everything that was expected of me, I must come to a place of rest in the midst of it. I can't fly away because I must fly back. And I don't even think I'm going to enjoy my, you know, my flights or the, the destination because I must come back. And I just knew it's not the solution. I knew it's not going to solve my burdens or my stress or my, the situation. I must find rest for my soul in the midst of that. You see, so what was David's conclusion? If you read the whole of Psalm 55, it, this is in the beginning where it says he, want to be like, he wants to be like a dove flying away. That was verse 6. 
Now, verse 22, that is towards the very end of that chapter, he says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. That was his conclusion. In the beginning, he wanted to fly away and find rest. Right at the end of the chapter, he says, Cast your burden. His conclusion was that casting your burden on the Lord is going to bring rest. That is what, what he had to do. That is what I had to do in that year. I had to hang in there and trust the Lord to take the burdens from my shoulders because a holiday was not going to take it away. Because I knew I had to return to the exact same position, the exact same responsibilities, and it's not going to change. My, my, my circumstances, it's not going to change. I had to change. I had to learn to cast my burdens on the Lord and to find my rest in Jesus. So, let's talk about a few practical ways. How do we cast our burdens on the Lord? On the Lord? Because it's easier said than done, I know. It's easier said than done, and I'm going to give you a few very practical ideas of how to do it. First of all, we must share our concerns with God. We must share it with Him. We must speak to Him. We do it through prayer, and it sounds very obvious, but how often do we pick up the phone and speak to a friend about our challenges? How often do we go to Facebook and tell everybody about our challenges? Or how often do we, you know, escape and we, we watch a movie or we buy chocolate or there's nothing wrong with buying a chocolate, okay? I often buy chocolate if I feel I need it. <laughs> it's just that that thing is not going to help. It, it might help for a moment. Okay, it might help for a moment. Your movie might also help you for an hour and a half or so. But then you're back in reality. So... We have to share our concerns with the Lord. He, he is our primary source of everything that we need. So your husband is not your primary source. Your wife is not your primary source. Okay, we can overburden the people in our lives. If we come back from work and we talk for an hour to our husband or our wife or our flatmate about the worst day of your life, and next week there's another worst day of your life, the poor person... The poor, your poor husband, your poor wife, your poor flatmate. We must give it to the Lord. We must share it with the Lord. 1 Peter 5 and 7 in the Amplified says, Casting the whole of your care. Not 80%, not 90%. The whole, 100% of your care. All your anxieties, worries, concerns, once and for all. On Him. For He cares for you affectionately. And he cares about you watchfully. You know, God is the only one. The only one who really understands the pressure you have at work. Or the pressure of being a mom. You know, even your husband will not understand what you go through as a first year mom. When you have a small baby of a week and then three months and then six months. And they change all the time. And you learning as well as a new mother. God is the only one who truly understands. Guys, God is the only one who truly understands the pressure you have at work. Nobody, no person could ever really understand. And 
That is why we have to cast all, all of our concerns and our worries about God. Why? Because he, he, he cares for us affection, affectionately and he cares about us watchfully, which means he watches over us all the time. So when you have that stressful moment, God knows about it. He knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly what you're going through. If you must write a test, if you must write exams, if you must treat a patient at the hospital, or you must do an operation you've never done it before as an intern doctor, or if there's just all of a sudden so much extra work and you're not coping, God knows. He watches over you all the time. So to, to take it to God, is, it's our first point of, of Getting rid of it, okay? We can talk to people, but it is secondary. It, it is secondary. If you dump all of your concerns, all of your worries on your husband, your wife, your flatmate, your best friend, your mom, your dad, they don't have the capacity to deal with it on, on an on, ongoing basis. God has the capacities. Shoulders are broad, broad. Can you say that? Broad shoulders, okay? God, you can... All, all of us can cry on God's shoulder on the same time. I mean, how awesome is that? All of us, we can go to God at the exact same minute, cry on his shoulder, and he says, bring it on. I can handle it. It's amazing. And he understands because he watches over you. Amen. This is good news. We just need to do it actively. Say, God, take it. Take it. Okay, we have to lift up the name of Jesus in worship. Why do we always sh share that? You see, the name of Jesus is the name above everything else. It says the name of Jesus is the name above every other name. So it means that his name is above responsibility, above stress, above any kind of crisis, above anything you need to do. His name is above that. Which means, if you lift up the name of Jesus in worship, his name takes a place above all, all else. Which means he's going to come and bring you perspective over those things, and it will go dim. It will fade away. Because now the focus is on the name of Jesus, and his name is above everything else. So the moment we lift up the name of Jesus in worship, he... He takes the place, that name takes the place above everything else, which means that those things will fade away. So worship is a very, very practical tool. Put, put music on your phone. Get yourself earphones. If you're stressed at work, use your little bit of lunchtime that you have. Put, a, put your earphones in. Put a song in. You can, within 10 minutes... Within two songs, you can enter God's rest in a supernatural way and you go back to your priorities and your work. The other thing that is really helping me from time to time is to dance before the Lord. Okay? When, when I had to speak at our, at our ladies' conference earlier this year, I, I flew the, the Thursday evening to Cape Town. And I think the Tuesday... Or the Wednesday, I got a sudden uh, panic coming over me, you know, thinking about the stage and the people. And 
I've never done this before, and would I be able, be able to do it? And I just knew in my heart, prayer is now not going to do it, and worship is now not going to do it either. So what I did, uh, the Holy Spirit just led me to dance before God, okay? Behind closed doors. I close the doors. Nobody sees me, not even my husband, okay? I do it before God. I put on a song, and I do a dance, not a love song for Jesus, a war dance. And I can see, guys, a war dance. I make up my own moves. I make up my own moves. I can't repeat it in church, okay? You must do it yourself, then you're not going to laugh at me anymore. So, guys, I can see in your eyes I'm losing you, okay? You're thinking this dance, ballerina, dancing thing. How is that going to remove my burdens? Now, okay, think, think all blacks. Think rugby test. Think haka, okay? That's a war dance. They're going to kill the enemy, okay? Except if it's a spring box, they're not going to get it right, hopefully. That is what I'm talking about, okay? There's words, there's rhythm, there's music if you want to, and there's moves. You make up your own moves. But your enemy must flee, okay? It's a war dance where you take action and you say the spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety, whatever responsibility, this burden that's sitting on my my head is going to go, Okay, when you watch the All Blacks, I'm sorry, but, you know, they determined. This hawker, I'm telling you, it's this hawker thing that win their games for them. (laughs) Because they psych themselves up. And that is what we need to do. We need to say, what is our enemy? Our enemy is not our boss, not our wife, not our husband, not our children, not the the colleagues at work. It is the devil who wants to bring fear, stress, burdens. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our peace. He wants to score that try against me. And I'm not going to allow him to do it. And that is why we do a war dance. And you pick your song, you know, pick any kind of song. Christian song. Okay. Don't go. We will rock you. Okay. Don't go. We will rock you. I don't care. Just focus on Jesus. All right. And do your dance and You come with authority against this thing that wants to steal your joy. Then we have to speak to our souls. Psalm 116 says, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. It bountifully means God has been good to me. Okay, so if you feel stressed, worship isn't helping. Your war dance is not helping. Whether I doubt it, it will not be able to, to change anything, it will, okay? But now say you've done your war dance, it's not helping. Then you have to speak to your soul, okay? Remember, you are a spirit living in a body and you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your intellect, your will, your emotions. You are a spirit lives in a body. Your spirit man must speak to your soul, you can't allow your emotions to lead, your, to lead you. You are not your emotions. This is not who you are. So if you are fearful, if you feel shy, if you feel overwhelmed, this is not you. You can speak to those emotions. So I often say, soul, be quiet. Soul, 
Trust in the Lord. Be still. Be still and know that he is God. Soul, I'm speaking to you. Soul, listen to me. You have to speak to your soul. I know it sounds very silly, but when the moment you, you grasp that you are a spirit, you, you, we can't be led by our emotions. And I think it's a major problem even with us as Christians and as believers, we, are, we walk by sight and not by faith. We walk by sight and not by faith. God wants us to walk by faith. And therefore, we have to speak to our soul. We have to speak to our soul. Whatever it is, we have to speak to our soul, to our emotions, our intellect, our mind, our will. And we have to speak the truth into that situation. Lead your hearts. Lead your heart. Then the last one, we, ha- we, must, we can have communion. Very effective. Having communion, Andre and I often do that. You take a bit of juice and a piece of bread. You, you give all your burdens to God. You can even write it down on a piece of paper if you want to. Jump on it afterwards. Do your war dance on it. Throw it in the bin. Burn it. Write down. Write it down and leave it at the cross. Sometimes we must get practical because we just want to sit and feel sorry for ourselves. We must become active. Casting our burdens on the Lord is not poor me, poor me, God have mercy on me, poor me. Okay, it's not that. It's an active, active thing that we need to do. Okay, so why is it so important to enter God's rest? I'm going to close with this. Why is it so important? Is it only for our own benefit? Why do we have to enter God's rest and stay there? Is it only for us to have a good holiday? You see, I, if I get stressed and burdened, I'm very unproductive. I'm emotional. I mean nothing to nobody. I'm, I, I lose my perspective. I lose my faith. I mean nothing to nobody. God is calling us to bring in the harvest. He's calling us to have a word in season to somebody who is weary. There's a scripture in Isaiah 50 that says, God has given me the tongue of the learned so that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. If we do not come to God on a regular basis and allow him to restore our strength, to to take our burdens, we will not be able to bring a word for somebody who is weary. We will just need a word ourselves all the time. And God is calling us to be ready every morning. He wants to awaken us. He wants to awaken our ears to have a word ready for, for somebody who, who needs it. You see, 2014, let me break the news. 2014 is not finished yet. Okay, I know all of you really want it to be finished. It's not finished yet. These people here this morning, you must still surrender your life to Jesus. Or you know somebody who must still surrender their lives to Jesus and you must still talk to them. Some of you, I really feel strongly, must still get baptized before the end of this year. I feel that these people here, you have to get baptized. Some of you must still invite somebody to church. Okay, it's not 2014, it's not on its back yet. There's still work to do 
Therefore, we have to enter into a place of rest so that we can be ready, ready for the last couple of weeks for what God wants to do. We can't just hang in there for dear life until middle of December when we go and leave. We can't. We can't. There's something that either you need to do yourself or God wants to do through you, and we must be ready for that. Okay? We must diligently enter God's rest for a purpose bigger than ourselves. A purpose bigger than ourselves. So maybe you, you, you think, Sonny God, the Sabbath thing is not such a big deal. I can go on for six months. I'm tough. Yeah. Strong. You have to come to a place of rest not only for yourself, but for the people around you. So that God can use you. So that brings me to the December holidays. Okay, eventually we're going to talk about the holidays. The greatest investment you can do for next year is to rest properly. To have an awesome holiday. It's the greatest investment you can do to make sure that you don't need a holiday after the holiday. Like many of us do sometimes. To make God part of your holiday. You see, if we do not put God in our holiday diary, he will disappear between friends, family, the next social, computer games, movies, sleep, eat, 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 and no more food. God is going to disappear, and the more you eat, the less you can focus on God. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but if you are, have overeaten, there's no capacity for God. You're just going to lie oh. <laughs> until the next meal. It's weird, eh? In holiday times, it's as if you literally finish the one meal and you start planning the next. It's crazy. Especially if there's like big families, which I can understand. I mean, there's like 15 people and they almost eat. But you like, you finished your dessert and then, okay, so what, what is the plans for, for supper time? <laughs> and then I just want to run away. <laughs> okay, I'm closing, I'm closing. You need a game plan. You need a game plan for your December holiday. Andrew and I did a sermon at the end of 2011. We called it Game Plan for the December Holidays. It was the 27th of November, 4th of December, and the 11th of December, 2011. Please do yourself a favor. Download those sermons. Please listen to it. it I remember that that's... Yes, specifically. We were so psyched for our own game plan. We had a glorious holiday. We had a really, really good holiday. I still have very fond memories of that, that year. You go to www.showfarsermons.org. You download it. If you can't get it right, please let us know. Okay, don't let technology stand in your way. It will add to your holiday. It will. We... we Speak about many practical things that is really going to benefit you during your December break. Amen? So please download that. And I really pray and trust the Lord for an amazing restful time. And for those of you who only have maybe Christmas Day or maybe the, the, the public holidays, God can renew your strength in one or two days if you diligently enter his rest. Okay, so I know for some of you it's very depressing because everybody's going on holiday and you have to work. God can actually 
in a very short period of time, he can fill you with peace and joy and new strength. So if, you, if you're not taking a break for three weeks, do not be despondent. God is really is able to, to give you that energy and everything that you need for every day and for next year. Amen? So on your chairs, you'll find a card. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. At the back of the card, it says, I am letting go of. And there's pens on your chairs, and I want you to write it down right now. A few things that you're letting go of, and a few practical action plans, how you're going to enter God's rest during the year and holiday time. Okay. And then we're just going to listen to the song while you're doing that. We're just going to listen to a song. It is well with my soul. And I, I really pray the Holy Spirit will guide you right now.
stand and we sing this together. Just declare that it is well with your soul. It's not about how you feel. We declare it. We speak to our soul. We say, soul, it will be well with you because God is in control.